Father, we come to you now in the name of the Lord and God again. Lord, we just simply thank you that we can come to the house of God, Lord. We can uh, be together with the family of Almighty God. Lord, there's just strength in that alone. Lord, we thank you that we could worship you and love you and adore you. God, lift up our voices. No matter what the situation is, Lord, we can give you glory and honor. And we do that today. God, again, we ask that God the Holy Ghost would feel welcome in this place, would desire to come, long to come, that the Spirit of God would reveal Christ to us more today. Lord, that we would get a glimpse of your glory, that we would see your face. Lord, that it would change our lives and alter our hearts, Lord, to live even stronger in these last days. Come, Spirit of God, come. Come into this place now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Okay, right before we get into the Word, I've got to share something with you. Um, most of you, just about all of you know that we were in California pretty much for the whole month of January, and we constantly heard out there in California the absolutely worst drought that they have been in for, uh, I think it was like 50 years. I mean, they were even having water shortages and water cutback, and we even took a little trip. John was showing us some of the sites. And we could actually see the fire going across the mountains. And, I mean, these are unbelievable mountains. It's not like you can just go up there with a hose. And so um, it kind of reminded me of something. Do you know that uh, New Hope is probably in one of its worst droughts of the existence of the last 23 years? I'd like to think it's not a drought from the Word of God. I do my best to give you the Word of God. It's not a drought, I believe, from our worship. I think we have a group of humble guys that just want to worship the Lord. It's a drought of people that will commit to teach our young people. It's the worst it's been. I got notified this week, towards the end of the week, at least seven teachers short. Seven. Now, as soon as we kind of say that... Most of our men tune out. I, I wish you wouldn't, because we need good, strong men to teach the Word of God throughout all ages. And it's absolutely vital, because we are now seeing fruit from the children of years ago. There is my son in this pulpit, Chase Rosser, in this pulpit. We have Adam, the head of the youth. We have youth back there doing the soundboard. Jason Williamson's over the entire youth music. These were little people that ran all through the place. We're thinking, are they ever going to become it? Well, they have. Okay? And so we have another group of these people. God has blessed us with children. He's blessed us with children because I believe we have been proven ourselves faithful to give them the true word of God. And so now we have this drought. And please... Don't fluff this off. Uh, don't, that's not me. I'm not. If you come to this church and hear the word of God, no matter who it is behind this pulpit, you should have enough of God to be able to share whatever age it is that you fit in, or even if you don't fit in, it's, how, it's a drop. So we, we need it. It's, it's um, was scary seeing that fire just doing its thing. And it's, we can't have that here. We cannot. The teaching of these little ones now guarantee the life of this church long after most of us here in charge are gone. So please, please, please consider that. Cry out to God. Many of you are aching to do something. This is something you can start right there. Um, see me, Christy Fisher's probably back there already trying to fill a couple positions. So you might not be able to see her. But here am I. Okay, please give me your name so that I'm not sure where all the vacancies are, but there, there's a drought. All right, let's move on now. Um, every once in a while, I'll come up with a, with a message where I'm really not sure of a title, and that's where I am today. But I just want to parallel it with, with this. How many in here probably all your hands will raise, have a cell phone. Okay, 
Don't be like, I ain't raising my hand, I'm too cold. You have a cell phone. Because we probably hear them almost every service. They, you have cell phones. Okay, so we all have this technology. We all are, you know, younger people are more keen with it now than, than most of us older folks. But now let me see your hands, because there's, it's a point. How many of you have used a payphone? How many have you? You must be have an old congregation. <laughs> we need them teachers bad <laughs> for getting old. How many of you now, don't be lying on me, seen a phone booth, not on TV with Humphrey Bogart? You used a phone booth. How many have no idea what a phone booth is or a payphone is? All you kind of young folk. I mean, really, we walked by one in California. I went, look, look, for crying out loud, a dinosaur. <laughs> they are real. Okay? So what I'm trying to say now, there are advances that are awesome. I'm glad I don't have a horse and buggy tied up out there to go home in today. I'm glad I got a nice car. So I understand that. But there are th- Things that, ha- that every once in a while you'll see on Facebook, who remembers this? And it's some tool or apparatus that you used in the kitchen that you c- completely forgot about. And you go, oh, yeah, yeah, I did that. Well, this is where we are kind of in the spiritual. There were tremendous people of God. Okay, now I'm talking about myself, unless you think I'm talking about you. There were tremendous, unbelievable people of God that walked on water. Ask Peter. He walked on water. And now you have me. People like me. Do you understand? There are, there, we are now at a point where most, like the phone booth is, that Luke and Isaac and, you know, the, the phone that used to stick your finger in, the dial goes, they, have, they wouldn't have a clue, and that's where we're getting with the people that used to be what an average, regular Christian was supposed to be. And so we got to bring up pictures on Facebook. Remember the rotary dial phone. Remember Peter when he walked on water. What? He what? Come on. He, just a guy. When was that? Remember when this man called down fire. Remember when this guy challenged the armies of the end. And uh, we're now just got to have slides in history because we don't seem to have this anymore. And it's an absolute must. We cannot let this slip out of our walk with God. We just can't. And so this is kind of where this message is coming from. The greatest evangelical testimony to the power of God and that he's real is the people of God not God TV or YouTube or it's the people of God you're everywhere everywhere all through must Kingham County and Columbus and wherever you work you're everywhere and so we see in Acts 4 13 it says now when They saw, who's they? The unsaved. The people who are blind to the things of God. Now this kind of comes from, and I was thankful, and I love Ken Ham. I love back to Genesis and all that he's doing. But he just had that debate, remember? And even in that debate, I'm thinking, this really ain't going to get anywhere. It's like Bill O'Reilly and his foe. Back and forth, back and forth. You watch Fox after a while, you go, ah! Because the foe guy never goes, oh my gosh, you're right, Bill. I'm on board. It never happens. And so it's kind of sort of like the same thing with debating somebody. I understand there's some good in all that. I know that. But what happens if Ken Hamlin has said, yeah, watch this. In the name of God Almighty. And boom, the fire falls and sucks up the water in the offering right in front of that crowd in the science guy. Um, this is not an accusation against Ken Ham. 
He's done way more than I'll ever accomplish. Did you understand what I'm saying? It's like the, the, our kids going to the phone booth. What? Road rage. Party lines. Who remembers a party line? Many times you get bugged. Get off! Well, we can't have that happen with the power and the displays of God. Paul says, I don't come with excellency of speech. Now we do come with excellency of speech. We just do. And so we can't use that because they are looking. And so it says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. Look, I'm a firm believer, and you're going to, I don't know who you're gonna, I'm going to make mad, but I, I don't believe that worldly PhDs, doctors of divinities, do any good behind this pulpit. Oh my gosh, I've rubbed elbows with them ever since I've been a pastor. Oh my gosh! And we've, we've just got to get back to the basic power of God through prayer, through surrender to the moving of God, the Holy Ghost. We've got to. And you're going, I haven't seen one of them since phone booth. I know it. We've forgotten. And just like the cell phone that's so cool, you can do everything and anything with it. Who wants to give this up to go back to the heart-wrenching praying? Let's just have a bulletin, a couple songs, and say something. And in the meantime, our nation... I mean, our young folks, I'm still amazed if I go around any kind of high school and, it, it, and kids just leave in and out of the door, in and out of the door all the time. I don't know where they're going or I don't know if they're allowed in your school or not, but I, I've seen, you, you weren't even allowed near the door when I was in school. They used to put your, their fist now, I'm not talking about, I'm not getting this so old, you old fogey. No, there's some barriers. We've lost them. They used to put their fist in their cuff, and if it didn't fit, they would tell the boy, your pants are too tight, skinny jean. It's the truth. Here's a shocker, girls. You used to wear dresses to school. And we just kind of, have lost, and, and it's all in the church. There's no barriers, no nothing now. When they see us, they ain't marveling. If they marvel, they're saying, you're saved. That's the marvel. We got to get back to this. And the only way back to it is on your face. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned, ignorant men, they marveled, listen, and they took knowledge of them. Oh my gosh, these guys are with that guy they call Jesus. This is what you need. Knowledge means to become thoroughly acquainted with. To know thoroughly, to know accurately, to know well. We got a bunch of church goers. Oodles of them. There was no doubt in the hearts of these lost when they looked at these two men, they knew they were undeniably different. And then they contributed to why they were different. You know, these guys go to that meeting. These guys proclaim that that Jesus guy is the Messiah. You know, these guys go to that church on 40. There is something about that church on 40. They take knowledge of it. And that's what happened with these guys. John 5 tells us this, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come unto condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Hold on. Something is supposed to happen. I don't even know. We're losing that. We're losing that. 
Even when I did that, I didn't understand that, but that happened. Something happens. Something takes place. We're even losing that. 1 John 3, 14 says, we know. We know what I'm about to read. That we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brethren abideth in death. God is saying through this man, this is a basic sign of being born again. It's a basic sign. Basic. Not walking on water sign. This is a basic sign. That something happens. And all through my walk, I would often say, how can I love you guys more than my natural brother and sister? But I do. Because something happened. God, it's a confirmation to me then. I really am. Because it happened. It wasn't on a check pad I could check off. Okay, i got to love you. Believe me, I can't do that. I'm not even that, that great. But something happened. It happened. And it's supposed to continue to happen. So it is very scriptural to see and expect a change in person who claims to be born again. To expect it. It's a, it has to happen. Or you're not. Christ came to die for us. To save us. You get saved. And you don't want to love who he died for. You can't be. Now, but because of the fall of man. The image of God was lost. We took on the nature of the devil. That's how you can have all these little precious babies that you're having, and really, they're no good. They're just not. You, you know it if you've raised them, if you've got them to where they can start, they just hold their breath before they can talk, walk, crawl. They'll hold their breath because they're mad. Now, but because of the redemption of man, the, the restoration of the image... We are now to have the nature of God, to be conformed to His image. So they start to notice and take knowledge something must have happened. We cannot lose this. Romans 8 tells us, For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed. Well, I'm not conformed. Then you're not God's. You're not the Lord's. My children conformed to our roles. In our way of life. They might have bucked it at times and squinted at times, but they did. And so God says, you are also to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. That word conformed means you are to be similar. Similar. Having the same form as another, like Christ. Not what you want. I'll do this, I don't care what you say. And so nobody's taking notice. Because we're just one of them. There should be things that church people don't do. You don't show everything. You don't booze. You don't dish. You don't look at pornography. These are things the church doesn't do. We are peculiar people. Anywhere you go, they just assume you drink. Anywhere. You want to give a Waitress, a heart attack at Olive Garden? You're just like this. You just about sit your wife down. She's only 25 cents today. They just assume that you drink. They just come with their glasses already in the bottle. They don't even think you, you might not drink. And it doesn't matter. I can go, <coughs> beg your pardon, I'm pastor. That doesn't make any influence on that. 
Romans 12, 2 says, And be not conformed to this world. You are not to be like this world. You're not to do what this world does. So they will start to take notice. And you can only not do that by getting the power of God to keep you from that. (laughs) That's the truth. It's just simple gospel. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, changed. We can't change ourselves. Changed by the power of God. I used to drink. I used to look at that. I used to cuss like a sailor. I used to lie. I used to hate people. I used to. Not anymore. Changed. And when I want to fall into it, I feel the finger of God on me. What are you doing? That's not weird. That's Christianity. Which is becoming weird. In our nation. And under attack. It just is. And it's going to continue. So God says. You are to be changed. By the renewing of your mind. Every Thanksgiving service. And I've told you through all the years. We put a chair up here. Or whatever. And have pick up a couple people to come up. And say thank you for this, this and that. And that and this and this and that. And every time they're doing that. In my heart I'm going God thank you. For the renewing of my mind. God, I used to think so horrible, such hatred thoughts. And that's been 40 years. I thank him. So God says, this stuff happens by the moving of the Spirit of God. And it goes, why? That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That is the good and perfect will of God. What is? That you change so that they Take knowledge and notice. They might blow you off for 20 years until something happens that they can't run from. Or this church. Or this preaching. None of us come to God out of a wonderful time. We come out to God when it's horrible. And really, truly, nobody really gets on their face and really cries out and seeks God with fervency until the heat's applied to their life. It's like the the colonel. Never pops until you put it on the fire. And then the kernel pops to what it's supposed to be popcorn. Before the heat, it's content to sit with all you other little kernels in a jar on the shelf. Right? Until the hand of God gets it and says, No more, kernel. You got to pop. And he uses what? Trials. Heat. And that's where America is. Okay, Abraham said, For we look for a city which hath foundation whose builder and maker is God. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise. That's what we should be doing. By faith. Abraham lived as a sojourner. You have to under the, He lived as a foreigner in the land. The only thing he owned is the plot that he was buried in. That's the only thing he ended up owning. A so, sojourner, it's evident in their lives. Because they're always speaking about their home. Look, when we left California, I told you it was 71. When we got home, went to bed, woke up, it was minus 17. And I didn't care. We were home. I was kissing the ice. Because it was so trying with Ruth being sick. I was so thankful. We're home. Minus 17, 88 degrees. Shut up. I'm home. That's the way we're supposed to be living. Not this, Lord, if, 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 if I die now, I won't be able to see the Super Bowl. So a so, sojourner, the, the way we talk, the way we dress, the way our mannerisms are, the entertainment we see, all should be pointing towards where we're from. They speak of our home. California has every dialect going on. People look like you and you're thinking, oh, they're American. And they just start, like, what do they say? And yet we sound like the weird people to them. They knew we weren't from. They were from Ohio. It's supposed to be absolutely evident in our lives. 
Have your children, love your children, teach them in the admonition of the Lord, but it's not a horrible thing if you don't grow up seeing them. God takes you all home. Out of this world. Out of what's coming. So Zacharias tells us that this stuff is not done by might nor power, but it's done by the Spirit of Almighty God. You understand, there's so much in the Word of God that we have lost. You know, what's that, what's that one show called? Lost in Translation. Oh boy, is that ever true. We have lost our way, lost the power of God, the holiness of God, the commitment to God. We've made church about us, and it's supposed to be about Him. I've heard there's no more suffering. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? How can you even read the Bible and say there's no more suffering when God says you will? <laughs> he says it. You know more than God. But that's what, I, I mean, hit with all these stuff through all these years of trying to cut out in the wilderness of America a church that stands on the truth. No more suffering, no more this, no more that. I can do this, I'm free to do that. It's okay to have a drink. I, I wasn't supposed to be married to her, I was supposed to be married to him. I'm like, what? Lost in translation. So here we are, umpteen years down the road, whenever that started, and now you look weird for trying to stay straight and narrow. You look weird. Weird. When it was just common not to do certain things. That's just what's just expected. Now it's absolutely weird, if not a mocking. So that's why we lost them or they that are supposed to be looking at us. <clears throat> we do. I've been with people, I've told you, they cuss when they're praying. I'm like, what? No, look, please, this comes from a cussing champ. All right? That was the first thing God nailed me in the supernatural. Because I did. I had this miraculous salvation. Next day, I get up, and I go back to the filthy job that I've had, that I've been the filthy worst for years. And I go, blank, yeah. And I was like, whoa. What was that all about? It just echoed. I actually ran to the men's room. And I went in the stall, sat on the thing, and said, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. For an H-E double hockey stick. Word. Not the F word. And to this day, I know they're in the Bible, but I won't read them. When it says A-S-S, I tell you donkey. Because I know what I was. I'm not playing any games. You can't lose this stuff through translation. Because then we become it. And then we become worse than what we were. Galatians tells us, this I say then, walk in the Spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Walk means to conduct oneself, your life. If it's H-E double hockey sticks here at church, it says the same thing at home. I won't say it at home. Everybody say it. I mean, I've been in prayer. You know how it's just the thing to hold hands and stand in a circle. And Lord, I don't give a blank about what? person about five, five people from me. It's like, let go. What? What? So it says to conduct yourself like this. Conduct. And look, you folks, you dads, you pay this price. It will bring fruit down the road. You pay it. I remember when we lived on Jackson Road. I remember, uh, what was that boulevard we lived on? What was that called? Brighton Boulevard. Walking up the steps and we're talking about something about God. I think Jason was eight and he said to me, Dad, I've never heard you swear. It will pay its fruit. It will bring. Verse 17 says, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. That's what's going on in your life right now. These are contrary to one to another, so that you cannot do the things that you would. So the battle's set. It's the soulish man against the spirit man. And when Adam fell... 
he, his spirit died towards God. And he became an altogether different man. Altogether different than what he was in a garden. And the whole redemption in Christ coming back was to redeem Adam, to bring him back to the man that he was, Christ-like. And then God has planted all his uh, searchlights and all the guideposts and all the billboards for people to see throughout our land. Until the enemies defiled us and our lights aren't too bright. Oh, what's that thing that they put by in harbors, that big light that goes up in, for ships? The lighthouse. They're, they're dark. They're, you can't hardly see them anymore in our land. And our government's shipwrecking, our society is shipwrecking, our family's about sunk, and now it's infiltrating the last line of defense. And it's the church. You're the last line of defense. You're the people of God with the Spirit of God inside of you. You are the light of the world. And you cannot let that light become foul and polluted. You must stay true to it because they are taking knowledge of it. They are looking at us. It wasn't a matter of Adam just making a mistake. Adam became an altogether different man. He became a soulish man, no longer a spiritual man, and unable to communicate with God. Adam took off. Unable to communicate with God. When God would always say, Adam, hear my father, hear my. Now he's running. Altogether different. He became a soulish man. God drove him from the garden, which is a symbolicness of driving from the presence of God. Saying, also saying, putting that man with a sword, you can never come back here like that. That soulish man, you can't come back. You've got to be changed. I can't. I can't change myself. I'll take care of that. Soulish man has no place in the presence of God. None whatsoever. Genesis 4 tells us, And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod. Nod, on the east of Eden. Nod means a wanderer. He dwelt as a wanderer. I don't know where I came from. What do you want to do? I don't know. What should we become? I don't know. I think just wandered around. You understand? That is the exact way I was before I came to Christ. I had no clue what to do with my life, with myself. No incentive, no goals, no drive, no desire. Well, I didn't make it with the pirates, so now what? I'd like to be married to a person like that. And something happened. Something made things clear. That's when people take notice. And a lot that took notice didn't like it, but too bad. I know what's happened. Anytime we give or let anything of the world or soulish man in the church or in us, we give the devil the rights to us or the church. Now listen, here's the kicker. I'm not talking about pornography. <gasps> that is really bad. Uh, sex outside of me. <gasps> sex with another woman. If you oh, I, All that is horrible. I'm talking about things you love. That God is saying, that was a work of a soulish man. I, I had nothing to do with that. But, but God, I, I just, I, I love this. And I'm not talking about gambling. I'm not talking about any of that stuff. You'll know what I'm talking about right here in a second. Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh, so that all that hear will laugh with me. And she said, Who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah should have given children suck? For I have borne him a son in his old age. 
And the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had borne unto Abraham, mocking. Wherefore she said unto Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son Ishmael. Get rid of them. That was a soulish person, right? You remember that, right? How that came about. Okay, so there's the father Abraham, God's friend. And the thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight because of Isaac. Oh, sorry, because of Ishmael. Ishmael was a soulish decision, and he loved Ishmael. He was 13. And she's saying, out with him. Oh, it wasn't just, well, let me think. It was very grievous. A soulish desire and fruit from it. And Abraham's going, no! You're not talking about pornography. Horsing around with another woman's, another man's wife. There are things that we do. Unintentionally or intentionally, I don't know. But they're from the soulish flesh desire. And they've grown and you've loved it and God is saying what are you what are you doing get rid of that Abraham could have said nope and we wouldn't be reading about Abraham much in the word God would have done his promises and deliverances and discoveries through someone else he loved Isaac or Ishmael. We look at Ishmael as like, you know, like a... Pff, pff. No, he, it was his son. It was his son. Soulish, fleshly decision, not of God, not from God, and he loved it. There are things like that in us. But God said, it's got to go. Got to go. Some of you young guys fall in love with some knockout babe not saved, doesn't want saved, doesn't think about being saved, you think God's going to say, oh, that's all right. No, there's a barrier. Church people don't do that. God tells you don't do that. It's in the Word of God. You can see it on your countenance, right? I told you for years. Lenny, there he is, always in the front row, always loved God, sparkling eyes, in love with God. You can tell it. We all have our ups and downs and bad times. You weep at the altar, but you're still right there. You're God. A couple months down the road, he's, he's back there in about the middle. A couple more months down the road, he's on the end. No offense to you end pew sitters. I, not, I'm just talking about if you started out here. You knew in, the, in what? Anybody that knows anything about God can look someone dead in the eyes and say, what's the matter with you? What's wrong? Nothing. It's not true. Nothing. You don't have the spark of God. You don't have the freshness of God. You don't have the purity of God on your face. What's the matter? You don't have that glow, that glory that no makeup can give you. What's the matter? What's wrong? Joseph and I stopped at Exxon just yesterday to get some fresh hamburger buns or something, nice and soft ones. Two guys in front of us, way bigger than us. You know, both had big 30 packs of beer and their face was just rough and etched. And those red, you could just tell a drinking face sometimes. I if you, have you noticed? Do you ever notice that? And they're gone because I didn't want to say it while they were there. They towered over me. And I said, Joe, can you see what the world does? Just to their face. Rough and cracked and just a drinking. And bringing this thing, which the world says is cool and... It's not. Is that me hitting this thing? Okay, that's your problem later. <laughs> Sorry. Abraham loved Ishmael and was not keen on getting rid of him, but he got rid of him. Maybe there's going to be some things you're going to bring up to this altar. You're gonna, oh God. My, one, of my, one of my Ishmaels was sports. It was a big Ishmael. It was a big idol. I bowed to it all the time. Every Sunday, be at the football game when, when you could get tickets. Every Sunday. Worse weather, better it was. More crazier it got. 
me and my cousin, me and my two cousins, never missed. I remember when the Steelers were in the Super Bowl, I was flying to a seminar to learn about God. The Super Bowl was actually on, and I was amazed that I didn't care. I didn't care. They were playing the Los Angeles, I think, Rams at that time. It might have been 1979. I was saved in 74, and I was flying to something in to California to hear more about God. And the Super Bowl was on, and they had it on the TV, but back then they didn't get good in planes, and it would go out, and it just didn't matter. And that was crazy to me to think, but that's what happens. You change. You do, you change. That might be a poor example, but that's one that came to my head. God says, let the world see Christ in you. Let them see God in you. The real, not church in you, not denomination in you. I'm sick of all that stuff. Let them see Christ. Stop seeking healings, and we could use one. Stop seeking healings and this and that, and seek Christ. Say, God, I've made a mess even of my saved life, God. Can you help me? He'll help you. God, can you please peel all this stuff off my eyes so I can really see what a man of God was and should be and can be? And he'll start to peel it. And you'll start to see it. Colossians tells us, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. The key of that scripture is not glory in heaven and when he appears and all that kind of stuff. It is Christ who is our life. Our life. Not involved in our life, part of our life. He is our life. Life. All through what just from going, God, I don't know what else to do for my wife, Lord. You got to help us. Help me, Lord. That's what it comes down to. Christ, who is our life. Because Colossians tells us as we sort of wind this, for in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In Him. In Him. Don't be seeking this and that and that. Seek Him. For in Him is everything. Everything is in Christ. You see, we've, from the phone booth to the cell phone, when it was all Christ, all about Him, it's all about us now. And not one of you would throw your cell phone in the commode to go have the phone booth again. And that might be a poor example, but that's kind of the way we are. Throw this to go back to martyrdom and crying out to God and weeping and God says, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power. Which implies this. Look, out of him, I am incomplete. I don't care how bad of a man you are, how much weight you can lift, and how far you can pound me from here to California. You are incomplete. It's like a fish out of water. You and I need heat, air, water, food to live. Any type of species cannot live outside of its environment. Even when man goes to the moon, he takes his environment with him. It's impossible for you and I to live without this. And our nation is proof. And you can go right down to your own self when you stop hitting on all eight cylinders with God. You instantly start to change. And you might not see it, but we do. What's Bruce, what's the matter? Nothing. You have the same suit, sit in the same place, got the same wife, same spot, puts his hand around, teaches Sunday school. There, what's the matter? Nothing. Yes, there is. When you watch trash on TV or put trash in you, you're living outside of your environment and you can't live. 
God tells you without holiness, you can't even see the kingdom of God. And don't start running holiness. You mean I can't wear a watch? I can't wear it. No, that's man's stupid stuff. I'm telling you, see Christ and he'll tell you what's holy for you in your life. I remember God telling me, stop acting bad. You're not bad. Meaning tough. When I was young. I remember God, no, not in these certain words, God saying, I'm not Italian. And the mafia is not cool. I do, I do, I do. They got rid of my Italian records because they would produce that in me. A soulish man loved that stuff. You talking to me? It's the truth. It's the truth, you understand it. It's the, listen, and to, to even stuff I love, Wilkerson, the preaching of Wilson, I got hundreds of his tapes, and there's times God says, enough of that. Seek me. Me. That's one of my servants. You seek me. And it's the same, same thing. It's the truth. Uh, what is it? 89.3 or something plays the same music, I swear, at the same time every day. You know, if you want to hear something, turn on it too. It'll be on. Sir, and there's nothing else on. Everyone, I'll go to the oldest. Wouldn't it be nice if we were married? That was the song that came out when Ruth and I got married. And I might be able to get to one or two songs and I can start feeling good. What are you doing? It's, you understand. It's, I'm not saying it's evil. It's something I love. They're singing about cars and stuff. My 409. Who remembers that? Somebody say something. Lost a lot of you guys. That, you're singing about an engine in a car. But that soulish man, then you start thinking, well, you used to cruise with that engine in a car. And then we used to cruise that engine in a car and drink. And then when you, God, I mean, Italian, it's not time. God says, get it off. And I'm sure it feels wonderful to my wife to sit here or stand here at that worship going. The worship and, oh, my gosh. She starts blowing away all that sickness and fatigue and dust and loneliness after a while because you're not with the family of God and I worship you God it's the truth you're outside your environment you cannot live outside your environment Peter says according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertaineth unto life godliness through the knowledge of him Christ that hath called us to glory and virtue this is where it's at. Do family members or friends take knowledge that you have been with Christ? A good test is, well, Easter's coming. So if you go to their house for Easter and they got all this food, do they just sit down and start going, <clears throat> or do they sit down and, Chris, Chris, you going to pray? And ask you, you going to pray? Sure, I'll pray. If they ask you, they take notice. They know that you love God. Whether they hate that and can't stand it and they never pray, they're not going to pray after you leave. They still, um, Chris, you're going to pray? Sure. If they just in front of you, is there a work of the flesh that you have fallen in love with? A work of the flesh you have fallen in love with. And you won't remove it. Oh, I'm trying to think of that old, old show. It was comedy. It wasn't dirty. Um, was it? Uh, it was all comedy. It was World War II, and they were captured, and they were in not MASH. What? Yeah. Hogan's Heroes with a sergeant. I see nothing that... Total humor, nothing dirty, there are no girl, all, all that kind of stuff. And I remember a pastor friend of mine saying God jumped his case for watching that. And the whole idea was, that, do you understand that they killed millions of my children with what you're laughing at watching? And he went, oh. And he was just, I'm just watching a funny, and that's true, right? You serve a personal God might let you get by, but he nailed this pastor with it. 
It was a pastor. He, was gonna, he didn't want him in that, laughing over that, and nailed him to it, to the wall. Six million of my children died. You're laughing. Oh, God, I never even thought of that. Excuse me, I'm so sorry. Or, <laughs> he loved watching it. So ask God. We're going to have a few time here this morning. Ask him. Ask him if you're concerned about losing what was and where we are. And you could be the vessel God wants to strike the match with. And ask him. Say, oh, God, please, I can't be hindering you. I tell God all that time, all the time, I say, God, what is it? I know there's got to be all kinds of issues with me. I'm never sitting there saying, Lord, I'm about there, right? Just saying, God, what, 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 God, what? Show me, keep showing me, Lord. Keep peeling the things back so I see. And, and not only that, then I say, God, then you've got to give me the desire not to when I do see. And all that kind of stuff. Oh, just like the phone booth, man, where are those men and women of God that would do anything for God at any given moment just because there was a need? Where, where are those? That's us. This is the pull that God works with, with new hope and our deficiencies and our droughts that we talked about earlier. This is where God pulls. I am not going to go out there and say, I need seven Sunday school teachers. I would never do that. Never. they got to come from the pool that God has given us, that has been washed with the water of the Word of God and has the Word of God in them and have been ushered into the presence of God with sweet, humble worship. And you want to do something? Oh, man, awesome. Because that's how important it is. And that's how vital it is. Let's stand, please. Please remember, Peter walked on water. Peter. You see all the points about Peter? Big mouth, this and that. Peter this. No, I don't know him. The cock crows three times. Peter, a regular guy like you and me, walked on water because God commanded it. Go ahead. Lord, Lord, please, if that's you, tell me, come. Come. God, I'll, I'll, I've never teached anything in my life. Lord, I don't even know if I can talk right, God, but if you want me to teach, Lord, if you want me, bid me to come, come. That's what he does. He takes us and makes us stuff that's unbelievable so that when he puts us up there, no flesh can glory. They say, what? You did what with your life? So that's our altar call. Please, please consider the whole message wasn't wrapped around no teachers. It just happened. This message was on my desk ready to go when I got the, I think I got the text last night. But I cannot help but include it. We need you. We need the people of New Hope to step out, step up so they take knowledge Man, what's different about you? And you say, let me tell you. That's our altar call. Please, make your way, please. Go before God. Let him be your boss, your commander, your chief. No matter who you are, no matter what you do, what you've done, 